This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk. Alpha-Lac, as well as Lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. BiHeart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. I have a couple of questions this week, one about a stepchild who tests and pushes some boundaries with the step-parent, and the second about a six-year-old who is having a lot of meltdowns at the end of the school day. But before I answer the questions, it's getting to that time of year where some of us are starting to think about resolutions and others will start thinking about it in the next week or two. And since I'll be taking a break from the podcast for the next two weeks, I'm going to quickly touch on my parenting resolutions for the upcoming year and share about our latest hiccups and challenges in our family. One thing about life and parenting in particular is that things are constantly shifting and changing, and so it's never boring. But I feel it's important to share as much about our struggles and challenges as honestly as I can. So I'll get into those after I answer the questions. The first question is from Katie. Hi, Erin. I really appreciate your podcast, and it has helped me a great deal. I don't have children of my own and probably never will, but I do live with my boyfriend who has shared custody of his five-year-old son. So I have helped raise him the last year, and not being the parent and not having any experience with children, I often stay to the side, so to speak. However, I do have alone time with Easton. I watch him if my boyfriend has to work overtime and I take him to school. Just started in September, on the days his dad has custody. He's fairly well-behaved, but does take advantage of me. I'll tell you what I just experienced. The last three days, Easton was homesick, Monday and Tuesday with his mom. Then Tuesday night, he came to dad's, and dad stayed home with him Wednesday. I observed him asking for dad and me to do simple things for him that he normally does on his own, like throw trash away or open a door, etc. Then this morning, his first day back to school, he took advantage of me. He got up and dressed on his own. However, when we got to school, he said he wasn't wearing underwear, and he knew he had some clothes in his backpack that his dad was returning to his mom since she would pick him up after school. So we went over to the restroom at school, and he put them on. Then I texted his dad to let him know, and also mentioned that Easton refused to leave the house without toys he was bringing to share in class that his dad and he had picked out the night before. So I let him pick two other toys. 
Well, what he picked, his dad said he told him the night before he was not allowed to bring to school, and in the back of my mind, I had had that thought, but we were running late. So I had to go back to the school and pull Easton aside and explain why I was taking the toys away, and now I had nothing to share. My main question that I think will help me and others is how do you take care of a sick child without spoiling them and ruining the discipline and routines? Also, any advice on helping raise a child that is not your own? So as far as taking care of a sick child, it's okay to pamper and nurture the child more through the illness than you would otherwise. It's usually two to three days tops, and then you get back to your normal routine. So just like with an adult who's sick, like if my husband were sick, I would take food to him, take the plates and bowls from him and not have him get up. The same with my kids, although when my kids are sick, they don't eat much, if at all. But it's really just a judgment call as far as the trash and opening the doors If you're right there to take the trash, you can take it. If not, and it requires you to stop cooking dinner or stop doing what you're doing to help, then you could simply have him place it on the floor and either he picks it up later or you can. And then you could get it when it's convenient. As for doors, that's probably something I would just have my kids do on their own unless their hands were too full. But if they're getting up to go to the bathroom, I would think they'd be just as capable of opening the door for themselves, sick or not. So I would just simply tell them that. If you can get up to walk to the bathroom, I'm pretty sure you can open the door on your own. And there's a lot of room for judgment depending on the nuances of these situations. We want to be supportive and nurturing and understanding of what it's like when we don't feel well and kind of help with that and do more than we normally would. But we also don't want to be a complete doormat either. But definitely once the child is feeling well, and you can pretty much tell with kids, my kids start eating once they start to feel well. They also start bouncing around. Then they can do everything on their own again and everything goes right back to the way that it was. But I think your bigger question is about parenting a stepchild, and that's a big question. And first, it starts with parenting in general, setting boundaries and expectations and follow through and all the discipline that comes along with parenting. But on top of that, there are the particulars of each situation. So in your case, you're living with your boyfriend and you're given some caregiving responsibilities, which includes time alone. And in that case, you are the parent or caregiver during those times. Now, parenting together as a couple is hard. Being on the same page, having the same goals for your family and kids, and having relatively the same idea about how to reach those goals. But add into it two separate households and then a step-parent or two in each of those households, and it complicates things even more. But part of the answer as to how you parent a child who's not yours comes down to the understandings and agreements you have in place with your boyfriend and the ones he has in place with his son's mom. So there's a lot of working pieces to this. Whatever the agreements, they also have to be fair to you, to the step-parents, given what you're being asked to do. So in other words, if you are responsible for him when his biological parents are not around and expected to get him to school on time, etc., but aren't supposed to be disciplining him in any other capacity. Now, I'm not saying this is or isn't the case, but these are just all things to bring into the equation and take a look at, and for any parents out there who are also dealing with it. That does make it easier for the child to take advantage because they know they can do certain things and the step-parent can't really do much about it. So what does everyone see as your role or as their role in this situation? Are you seen as a step-parent or more as a babysitter? And I don't mean that in a derogatory or a downgrade, but, you know, a babysitter does take care of a child and does have responsibility for that, but doesn't really have the authority to take away privileges or anything outside of the time he or she is with the child. The babysitter simply reports back to the parents at the end of the shift, and the parents then give the discipline, the consequence, the coaching that they see appropriate. So these are talks that you and your boyfriend really need to be having together. There's a lot of communication that needs to happen in these 
step parenting situations. How does he parent? What discipline does he find appropriate? Do he and his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend parent together? Do Are they on the same page? Do you have a full authority to discipline in any given situation? And I'm not talking about punishment either. I'm talking about things like coaching, guiding, teaching, setting boundaries and consequences for breaking rules. I think your response to taking a toy that was one that he had already been told he could not take was a perfect response to the situation. It showed him that he cannot undermine you and also his dad. He can't use you, the step-parent, and take advantage of the situation. And next time, hopefully, you and your boyfriend will know how to communicate ahead of time to avoid an issue like this. But you simply won't always be able to. You won't always be able to have 100% foresight and forethought about what's going to happen or how things are going to go down. Kids have a way of finding holes in the system. And when they do, they will take advantage of it. And they have a way of testing the system to see where these holes are. So these things will happen. And when they do, how much authority will you have to take care of the situation? If you don't have the authority to do anything, do you simply say, then I can't be responsible for taking him to school? These are all things to talk through. Again, parenting is hard, but divorced parenting and step parenting just adds a whole new level of communication and emotional growth and maturity that I think most of us just don't and won't understand until or unless we have to live it. Now, I will say I grew up in a step-parenting situation, and I don't know if I've shared this before, but my parents were separated before I was born and divorced shortly after. My adoptive dad was also divorced, and he and my mom married when I was five. I really never knew my father, so my dad adopted me, and he's really the only dad I ever knew. But his daughter would come stay with us every other weekend, and so my mom was a stepmom to her. I don't know a lot about the authority she did or didn't have or how much responsibility she did or didn't have for my half-sister, but it was only weekends, and so there was no weekday pickups, drop-offs, or homework duty, that kind of thing that she had to take care of. Now, this was also the 70s and 80s when dads really didn't get to have the kind of joint custody that they do now, so every other weekend was pretty normal back then, I think. But we also did have that transition of my dad taking on more of the role of a dad because I do remember meeting him. I was four years old. Maybe I was three, but I do remember meeting him. So I did know that he wasn't like my biological dad. And after he adopted me, there was sort of this transition period of him taking on more of a dad role. And I remember wanting to call him dad and not really being sure, because he never came to me and said, if you're comfortable, or if you'd like to, I'd love it if you'd call me dad. So I remember talking to my mom about that. Now, that wasn't really his forte. He was not very good about having those types of connected or emotional talk. So I do remember talking to my mom about that and saying, I'd like to call him dad. Do you think that would be okay? And she said, I think that he would like that. So I'm sure that they had spoken about it together. Um, but he really kind of waited for me and left it up to me to start calling him dad. And I'm not saying any of this is any of your situation, but just that I was a sort of a stepchild. I was an adopted child. And I do remember at that age, uh, four and five, him coming into my life and taking on that role and taking over that role of dad. But I also didn't have a dad at that time that he was taking over from. So it's, it's a little different, but just sharing my perspective as a child of kind of what that's like. Anyway, the basic takeaway from this is that there just needs to be a lot of communication about your role, including you sharing what you are comfortable doing or not doing, given the dynamic or the situation, what you might be more comfortable with down the road that you're not quite comfortable with yet, and how you guys can work towards that. 
You know, and a lot of this depends on how long you've been together, how much responsibility you're being asked to take on. And I don't have a class yet on divorce parenting or step parenting, but it is on the agenda for early next year. And I'll announce when that is up. So be sure to listen for when that class becomes available. But if you are being asked to take on more of a role of a parenting role, it's really important, like with any two parents, to be on the same page with discipline on how you're going to discipline, what your goals are for the child, what the goals are for your family going forward. As an adult and a mom of a son, both with ADHD, I know navigating the expectations of life with ADHD can be a challenge, but finding the right care and proper tools needed to succeed can be life-changing. With the right resources, you can turn your ADHD into your superpower. Done is an online ADHD care platform that can get you all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD, online visits, refills, and a 24-7 care team made for you. Starting to take care of your ADHD is as easy as one, taking a one-minute free assessment to see if Done can help, two, booking an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as today or tomorrow, Three, start receiving ongoing care, enjoy online visits, personalized treatment plan, worry-free refills, and 24-7 care. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. Unlock your path to better focus now at Get dot donefirst.com slash podcast. Done. Turn your ADHD into your strength. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and body back into harmony. You're not alone on your wellness journey. Every customer gets one-on-one support to help you meet your goals. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. A healthy gut positively impacts immunity, mental health, sleep, digestion, and skin health. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Now the next question is from Agnieszka. Hello, I have a question about my six-and-a-half-year-old son. Two months ago, he started a new school. The classes are intense and I think long for his age. I noticed that after school, he's very nervous and sometimes small things make him very angry, even aggressive to me and his younger brother, who's one-and-a-half years old. I think the reason this kind of behavior is because he accumulates emotions inside and after school, he just explodes. He kicks, screams, hits. I reduce sugar and give him healthy food. I always talk with him after he calms down but he's still doing it. 
What can I do to help him? I was thinking of buying him a punching bag so he could take his negative emotions out by teaching him that this is anger he can take out in a more acceptable way and explain the whole idea to him. What do you think about this idea? So we are going to play ball or to the playground every day after school. Please, can you help? So it sounds like the workload and expectations in the classroom are leaving him just exhausted by the end of the day. And when a child is just spent mentally and emotionally, he doesn't have much left in his logical brain to counteract his emotions. And so he melts down and loses control. Now, this will get better as he develops since his brain will become better at controlling his emotions, even when he's exhausted. But at his age, it is really hard. So once he's with you, this is where he feels safe to just let go of all of his emotions that probably started building up much earlier in the school day. And by day's end, he's just ready to explode. So I would sit down and have a talk with him when he's calm at the end of the day, maybe when you're getting ready for bed or on the weekend. But sit down and have a talk with him about the issue and ask him what he needs at the end of the day. Does he need you to show up at school with a snack in hand that he can eat right away? Does he need to come home and just relax? Or does he prefer to go straight to the park and run around? Then also set the rules using these four steps that are found in the Power Struggles class on the website, yourvillageonline.com, under the Discipline tab. You want to first set the boundary. So this is when you're coaching with him on the weekend or later on in the evening after he's been able to rejuvenate after school. You want to set the boundary. Two, you're going to offer choices. Three, you're going to give a consequence for not staying within the boundary or following the rule. And then four, you're going to have him practice. So when we set up these rules, it's really, really common for parents to do number one and number three. Set the boundary, give the consequence. Set the boundary, give the consequence. But the things that help our kids the most are number two and number four, offering the choices and the practice, 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 practice. This is really important. This helps it get into their brain so that they can call on it when they need it. So in your case, this might sound something like this. Number one, setting the boundary. I know you're tired when I pick you up from school, but you can't be hitting or kicking me or your brother. Number two, offering the choices. If you're feeling tired, you can use your words to tell me how you feel. You can ask to run around for a few minutes before we leave school or wait until we get to the playground to get your feelings out or whatever choices would work in the scenario. So if it's you're getting home and then he's losing control, you can give choices that will work for at home. Number three is the consequence if he breaks the rule or the boundary. If you hurt me or your brother, you will need to sit out from playing for five minutes or whatever the consequences that fits in that moment for where you are. Now, during that five minutes, you're coaching better behavior. You're not just having him go sit over in the corner. You're going to sit with him and coach him on better behavior. You're going to teach empathy. How does it feel to be hit? What is something you could do besides hitting me that lets me know you're upset? Help him work through a better scenario, what he would do better the next time, and understand that hitting hurts and it's just not appropriate. Now, of course, this is after he's calmed down. Then you want to practice. So this is all just the coaching session. Practice. When I pick you up from school, if you're feeling bad, or once we get home from school, if you're feeling bad, whatever this is happening, what are you going to do? And then he may answer like, tell you how I feel or tell you I need to run around for a minute. Tell me now, what would you say? If he can't come up with the words, then you can give him the words. So you might want to say something like, 
you could tell me it was a hard day. I'm feeling really tired or exhausted or overwhelmed or whatever word that he wants to use for that. Then you could give him positive feedback for coming up with a really good way to share his feelings with you. Then you want to remind him of this conversation again when you pick him up. You can even ask when you pick him up, how are you feeling? Do you need a hug? Do you want your snack right now? Do you need to run around? Whatever solutions the two of you come up with is what you can ask him when you pick him up or when you get home, whenever this behavior is exhibiting itself. You want to catch it beforehand and ask him some questions. Make sure you're getting him what he needs to calm down and decompress from the day. Now, lastly, I think the punching bag is a great idea so long as it's something that he seems excited about. If he's like, yeah, that would be great, then go for it. Then you have a place to send him when you can see he's getting worked up or the times when you know he tends to get worked up. So if it's once you get home where he's sort of falling apart, when you come in from the door, you could say, I'm going to get your snack ready. Why don't you go hit the punching bag for a few minutes while I get it ready for you? Or if you see him starting to get frustrated, you could use it then. Hey, it looks like you're getting a little too frustrated. Before you go over the edge, why don't you go punch on your bag for a few minutes? Or however the scenario warrants. Now, if he's not very excited about the idea, then you might want to come up with something else together of a way that he can get his energy out that he's also excited about that sounds like something that he would want to do and want to go to. So... Now I'm going to take a few minutes to discuss my parenting resolutions and one of our current challenges. So I just wanted to put that little seed in your thoughts to start thinking about any parenting resolutions you want to tackle for the new year, since I'll be taking a little break from the podcast over the next few weeks. Now, common resolutions include smoother bedtimes, learning to handle power struggles, using more peaceful parenting practices, getting organized. They're all very popular among parents. But my resolution this year is to continue working on guiding my kids to be more independent and responsible. For my younger ones, these things include cleaning up after themselves, from shoes to wrappers to toys and backpacks, without being reminded or asked. For my older son, this is things like getting his morning and after-school routines down without any reminders, and will also include him now being responsible for packing himself a healthy, balanced lunch. So we'll be teaching him those skills. The struggle I've had with my younger two is I think it's been too much to concentrate on all at once, so I'll be breaking it down, working on one new thing every few weeks, so getting shoes put away every time they come in the door for two weeks, then remembering to take things upstairs that are on the stairs, and we'll do that for two or three weeks, and make these habits before we move on to adding something else. Right now, they just go upstairs, they don't even look to see what's on the stairs that they should take up with them, so... It will be teaching them to create intentional new habits one at a time. So our current challenge, actually there's two here, but our one challenge is due to a diagnosis. And I've shared a little bit about this and it's not the diagnosis itself. It's getting through this whole, waiting through this whole protocol of how to get what we need for our son. But I shared a little bit about this in answering one of the questions in the past few weeks, but basically Our youngest son has been getting comments on report cards since he started school about his ability to listen and follow directions and stay on task. There are other things in there, but these are the biggest. He used to also get comments about talking out of turn or continuing to talk after he's been told to be quiet, but that seems to have dissipated. 
Anyway, when this happened in TK, transitional kindergarten, he was four, I let it go. And boys often struggle in an academic setting and are generally not as ready as girls to sit and follow directions, especially when it comes to very academic ways of learning. So the same thing for kindergarten. I let it go to see if he would grow out of it. Well, it continued in first grade. So I called a meeting with a school psychologist. We talked about an assessment at that time. I got the assessment, but didn't fill it in because some of the questions were just weird. And I thought, what is this thing? So I just didn't fill it in. Well, fast forward to second grade. I got all the same notes on the report card. He's ahead in reading. He's ahead in math. He's on grade level for everything else, but he struggles to focus on tasks, to finish tasks, to listen and follow directions. And I'm so tired of getting this. So I then brought up the idea again of having an assessment. This time I completed it, as did his teacher, and we still had the one from the first grade teacher. So after visiting with his pediatrician, I showed her the report cards, the assessment results, and he now has a diagnosis of ADHD and attentive type. The doctor wrote the note asking for an IEP, and I dropped it off at the school only to get a note back saying that ADHD is not covered under IEP. He has to be struggling academically, but she said he's extremely capable, and so he's not struggling academically. Unfortunately, she also said that if he doesn't learn to get some of this under control, he may fall behind because he's not able to listen to the lesson, and so he might fall behind. Anyway, so as I did the research, it turns out that ADHD is not considered a learning disability, and only learning disabilities are covered under an IEP. So after further research, it seems he needs a 504 plan. So I'm currently muddling my way through this process. Unfortunately, the school did not inform me that a 504 was what he was entitled to. I had to research it on my own, which I do find a bit frustrating. I don't know why they didn't just tell me he can't have an IEP, but this is what we do for kids with ADHD. I had to do that. But anyway, we'll get there. On top of that, my oldest is struggling with some mean teammates on his swim team. He just made me aware of this a few weeks ago. I went right to the team. I went right to the head coach and the owner of the team, they addressed it right away, but one kid is still being a stinker. So he isn't enjoying practice because of it. So I'm dealing with all of that too. Sometimes it feels like it's an awful lot. I'd hate for him to quit because he doesn't feel welcomed or wanted by his team, but I'm also not going to have him continue if he's miserable. So I let him take the week off this week. I went back to the head coach, told him the problems that we're having. He said he's going to dig deeper into it. So hopefully they'll get this addressed once and for all, and we won't have any more struggles and him being upset about going to practice because he doesn't feel like his teammates are very nice to him. So I share all this to let everyone know that I have struggles too. I have a lot of things that happen that sometimes seem like if it's one more thing, I think I'm going to explode. It just seems like it's always something. Just get one thing under control, something else pops up. So if you have a parenting resolution or any other parenting challenges or struggles, we have over 50 classes available on the website at yourvillageonline.com in areas of discipline like power struggles, getting kids to listen, and just generally increasing cooperation and self-discipline in your kids to development health questions like self-esteem, what is normal and not developmentally in every area for each age, separation anxiety, and so much more. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you in 2019.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.